Hello and welcome to the Farm Reform Podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. Pharma companies have a mission to help their customers stay healthy, but what about their employees? Nearly one in four adults lives with a diagnosable mental health condition, and for a company this means a quarter of their workforce might need help and support around their mental and behavioral health, an area that can be subject to no small amount of stigma. My guest today is Jamie Eden, SVP Human Resources at Behringer Ingelheim, the world's largest private pharmaceutical company. He's going to speak with me about what BI is doing to support the mental health of its workers. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks, Jonah. Good to be with you. So tell me a little bit about yourself and, and uh, how you got involved with, uh, with Behringer. Uh, well, I was, I've spent my whole career in human resources. And uh, 15 years or so ago, I got a phone call from a recruiter. I knew nothing at the time about the pharmaceutical industry. I certainly knew nothing about Beringer Ingelheim at that time. Um, but coincidentally, I was uh, at the time my my father had just suffered a stroke and uh, was receiving a medication that uh, that Boringa had recently launched. And so that certainly piqued my interest. And having joined the company 15 years ago, uh, there is something very special about the industry, about this company and and the opportunity to help uh, bring life saving medications to patients in need is is something that really uh, is aligned with my purpose. So you guys pitched us way back in February um, about sort of some changes you had made around how you were handling um, mental health support, mental health benefits in, in the company. Um, so maybe give me a little bit of a rundown on that. And, and since we, we have sort of the gift of now being a few months down the road, uh, you can also tell me a little bit about how it's been going. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I mean, I think the first thing, Jonah, I would say is that the steps that we have taken and maybe more importantly, the steps we will take in the future are really based on a fundamental belief that mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, this is probably the main reason that we recently partnered with a company called Spring Health to upgrade the uh, experience for our employees in being able to access confidential, innovative um resources to help them with their mental well-being. So for us, this has been a, um, a really great success so far. We're not declaring victory. We know that we can continue to improve the offering. Uh, we all already have some ideas for next year about how we make that even more accessible to our employees and to their family members. But what we love about the, the platform and the services within it is that it, it really provides proven personal and more importantly, precise interventions for, for those that need them. And uh, that's something we're proud of. And so far, at least, the feedback that we've had from our employees has been extremely positive. In particular, and I'm sure you'll, you'll also uh, know this, but of course, during the pandemic, I think the, the realization about mental well-being uh, became much more significant. And the ability for people to access resources was was frankly quite difficult. Um, so what we love, one of the things we love about this platform is it it provides much more, much faster uh, access to uh, to interviews and resources and therapy sessions for employees. We we provide up to eight sessions per year and they're available in an average of two days, which which when you speak, or at least when I speak with some of my uh, colleagues in other companies, that is really a differentiator for us. So what what are kind of all the, the tenets of the offering? Is it is it mostly like 
teletherapy? Is there um, sort of more like asynchronous app things involved? Uh, walk me through it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's a very broad spectrum. So anything from simple mindfulness, maybe to coaching, uh, one-on-one or group coaching, all the way through inpatient treatment uh, as necessary. That's that's what we like about it. It is, uh, it is that full spectrum. And I would say the other piece is they really take a data-based approach so that people can truly be matched with the care that they need, which I think historically, at least with other mental health resources that I've seen, that has always been the challenge. You know, people spend a lot of time trying to figure out and try to get to the right person. Um, here, I think we and Spring have done a nice job of, of making that as efficient as possible so that people get the care that they need as quickly as they can. So even at a healthcare company, um, it, it can be really hard to acknowledge you have an, an issue with mental health and, and to ask for help, especially if it involves asking for help at work. Um, that That's a, a pretty common kind of issue here is, is just the stigma of of seeking health. So I, I suppose I have a kind of a two part question. One one part is how does how does your offering in the platform uh, uh, support kind of privacy and discretion and, and people you know, only sharing as much as they need to share with with their supervisor or, or whoever um, at work. And also more of a culture question, I guess, around around BI and, and sort of how this offering fits into, uh, you know, building a, a healthy culture around um, mental health and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, maybe the first part, let me take that uh certainly the the offering i mean we were extremely um stringent in ensuring the highest levels of confidentiality and data protection associated with um the spring health platform and we're very comfortable that uh spring takes that responsibility just as seriously as we take uh, that responsibility so i i also believe our employees definitely we we have a long history of providing benefits that are both rich but also ensure confidentiality and so our employees trust and and keeping that trust intact for us is critical and th- and that's why throughout the discussions with spring we we were very much reassured about that and remain so i think on the the second part to the question around culture for me one of the the key lessons we've learned as an organization is that focusing on your own mental health is not a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of courage it's a sign of hope and I've made it a point to prioritize my own well-being using the resources that that we have available to us. I've also, where appropriate, shared with with my team and and the broader organization my experience with mental well-being. So, for example, I've learned a lot that mental your mental health changes over time, and it's it's at least in my case been influenced strongly by events in my life, which I think seems like an obvious point, but for example, I lost my mum in December, and and beyond the grief that I experienced at that time, I began to notice there were there were occasions where I felt distracted. I found it hard to focus, and these may seem like small things, but I began to imagine if during that time maybe I'd lost my job or maybe I had significant financial challenges. These are the types of events I think we all experience, and I've become not just more aware, but I've been more conscious about talking about 
how those things have contributed to at least my own mental well-being. I think sharing stories is an important motivator for people. And I'm not shy about sharing how I use my time off and and uh, the fact that playing around the golf or going for a hike or just simply taking time away from the office for me is critical to maintaining that that balance. So I think it is a cultural journey, Jonah. I don't think there's a single act that suddenly changes people's comfort level with talking about mental health. But for me, it's important to, again, appropriately share how those resources are important to me and have more importantly helped me um, be a better person and, and be a better leader. Uh, that's really, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I I think about, you know, um, historically, I think there's been this idea that there's a mental health, it's like almost a binary, right? Either you're, you're sick or you're well, either you're, things are bad enough that you need to go to therapy or they're not. And I think one of the gifts of, of the last few years of COVID and everything is, is this idea that your mental wellness can be sort of like your, like your physical fitness or, you know, it's, it's a, there's a maintenance phase to it. It's, you know, sometimes you just have to check in with something, with someone and try to be living your best life, not just, you know, not being sick, right? Oh, no, I couldn't agree more. Maybe this is a strange thing to say, but one of the benefits, I think, of the pandemic, at least for me personally, but I, I've also heard similar reflections from others, is that we've become much more in touch with with our mental well-being. I know for me, the isolation of of not being able to be out and about with people. And I'm an introvert, by the way, but for me that that was pretty um that was pretty daunting. And there were times when it was really affecting how I was feeling about myself, how optimistic I was. And I've always said that self-awareness and self-reflection are are probably the two most important leadership capabilities. What I've learned post-pandemic is they're also such important qualities to have to really keep in touch with with my mental health my physical health and uh and react to those reflections when for example i might feel down or i might have had something happen in my personal life that that has affected me so yeah i I do think those things have become much more prominent in in certainly in my mind but also in the minds of others which i think is is a good thing so um, I, I know one challenge we talked about a little bit is is stigma. Um, another that's going on right now with mental health and behavioral health is just supply, right? Um, the supply of of therapists. You know, the idea of kind of how do we, how do we scale mental health now that there are so many people asking for it and needing it? Um, how, how do you think about that, and and how is kind of Spring Health uh, thinking about? that as you know as the world changes just maybe as your workforce grows all, all those sorts of things yeah great question Jonah. and actually i was in new york city maybe maybe nine months ago uh, participating in a panel uh, sort of a roundtable discussion of my peers from different companies on exactly this topic and we were all sort of lamenting the fact that in a post-pandemic world the availability of therapists is is really a problem um, and we were seeing lag times in in employees being able to get the help that they need. I think that has eased a little bit. And certainly with Spring Health, the feedback that we've received from our employees is that that is not currently a, an issue. I do frankly still worry a little bit that longer term, if 
if the supply of therapists doesn't match the demand for their their utilization, that that imbalance will continue to be a problem. Um, I don't really have a great answer for that, but I, in in the conversations we have with Spring Health, this is this is a very uh, significant topic, and I know they and presumably their competitors and other other companies that provide similar services are very much focused on. So providing for your employees' mental health, mental well-being, obviously it's the right thing to do, but there also is is probably a, a bottom line argument there, right? A productivity argument. Um, and, and so I'm curious, sort of, what are some of the KPIs? How do you measure sort of whether this investment is is helping the business so that you can sort of justify it and uh, as you as a continuing program? No, good question. I think we're still we're still figuring out how to best do that. I mean, to your earlier question around confidentiality, we are extremely careful in um, in how we report aggregate data on utilization of Spring Health's resources. Um, clearly, we want to understand that program to make sure it's delivering what we want it to for our employees. At the same time, the the need to protect the health information of our employees is is always going to be the priority. Right now, um, of course, we're looking at access. We're looking at things like how long is it taking on average for an employee or a family member to to get an appointment scheduled uh, through the app. We're also honestly using a lot of anecdotal data. So we we get and, and continue to receive positive feedback from our employees on on how they are experiencing the platform and the resources that uh, that platform provides. And I think as we get more experience with Spring Health, because we are still a relatively early adopter, although it's interesting when we talk to them, they tell us, yes, you're an early adopter in terms of you haven't had our service for perhaps many years, but at the same time, your employees are using it as if that benefit has been in place for a long time. And I think that even that is an interesting data point because yes it tells us that it's easy to use and access which is great but it also sort of reminds me at least yes we we think this is an innovative solution for our employees but it's beyond innovative it's critical um, because people are using it at a rate that exceeds the typical usage for a new benefit um, or resource being made available yeah that's interesting it speaks to your culture but it also speaks to the culture right I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost wonder, and I'm sure you don't have data on this, but you know, in terms of anecdotally, do you see a generational breakdown? Do you see that the new young people coming into workforce, the Gen Zers, the millennials are more more prone to take you up on this? Or is it kind of across the board? Because I know people talk about that stigma evolving on generational lines. Yeah, I can't. I, I honestly haven't seen the data internally on demographic utilization for our employees. I can tell you as as a dad to two uh, Gen Z kids, I notice a much higher level of comfort for them and also their friends to talk about this topic than certainly I had at that age um, as a Gen Xer. And I suspect that that, that pattern is probably uh, also replicated in companies with, with different demographics. Uh, as we know, we have five generations in the workforce now. But our goal is to make sure that uh, it's not just one demographic group that understands it and is utilizing it. We really want to 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 use your term to kind of destigmatize this and and really 
highlight the fact this is an act of self-love to access this type of resource and benefit. This is not something to be embarrassed about. Far from it. It's something really to be proud of. And uh, every opportunity I get to share that view, uh, I certainly take. Let me ask you another kind of corporate uh, question. We do have a lot of listeners who are executives at, at pharma companies or who you know work in, in the ranks. When you decided to have a benefit like this, um, what was the process like to choose a vendor? Um, what were some of the criteria you were looking for and how did you land on Spring Health? Yeah, I think one thing we learned early on is this space is rapidly, maybe exploding is too too stark of a term, but there's a lot happening, a lot of new companies, a lot of consolidation among providers because I think there's a realization that this is truly a need. Um, so we experienced a what I would say is um, a number of providers that we included in our RFP process that were really, really solid. And, and the other thing that I noticed was pretty much everybody that we spoke to talked about their existing offerings, but more importantly, talked about the work that they're doing to improve that and some of the assumptions and ideas that they had to further evolve it to address not just current mental health needs, but the mental health needs that they saw based on data in the future. For us, that was a key decision. We really wanted to partner with an organization that was not just uh, ready to deliver today, but was much more importantly thinking about how to scale that offering, how to bring in new innovations, how to make it easier, uh, how to leverage technology and, and mobile to to reach as many employees as possible. These were for us key criteria. I mean, obviously, we also looked at um, sort of the financial security of those providers as well and um, and what have you. But I would say it was mainly around innovation, uh, scale, and technology. Those were Those were key aspects for us. Talking about innovation, thinking about innovation, let me throw you a little card, a little curveball. Um, what, what, if any, role do you think sort of these generative AI chatbots have to play in in mental health, mental well being going forward? Yeah, it is. It's a controversial question. I agree with you, Jonah. I I do think there is a role to play um, for AI and, uh, generative AI to play in this space. It obviously has to be extremely well governed and carefully managed and regulated probably to a, to a large degree. But even if you think about engaging any type of platform like this for that provider to get you the access to the care that you need, they need information. They need to know about you, um, so that, they can match you to the right resource. And, and yes, you can provide that through an intake form or through a conversation. But I think there's, we've seen in other fields how, much, how efficient that process can become with technology. And so I, I don't think we should be scared of it. I think we should certainly make sure that it is regulated and managed. But I am pretty convinced that Anything that makes it easier and faster for people to get the care that they need is a benefit. Great. Uh, what haven't I asked you about that you're passionate about around this topic or that you're excited to talk about? Or what have we talked about that you'd like to talk about some more? 
I don't know that there's anything too specific. Maybe one one thing that I could offer is part of our commitment to the mental health of our employees is also coming from our commitment to the health of society. Uh, for example, we are actively researching and developing innovative treatments specifically to address mental health conditions. That's not a therapeutic area that we have a rich history in. We, we are, as you may know, um, built on a, a really strong respiratory franchise, and we've subsequently expanded into, into other therapeutic areas. And we continue to make huge contributions to patients with unmet medical needs today. But we are specifically targeting mental health conditions that we think we can help people with. And I think that gives us at least the opportunity when we're talking internally with our employees about their own mental health. Maybe that's maybe that's an additional element that we have in our favor that normalizes the discussion, I would say. Uh, which I realize not every company has, and maybe that's a little bit of an advantage for us. And we obviously have a a workforce in the U.S. of 9,000 people who understand the importance of health, be it physical health and mental health. So we have an educated workforce. We have a workforce that is passionate about this topic. These are probably things that help us uh, in driving engagement and access to those resources that maybe a retail company or a logistics company doesn't naturally have, but we don't take that for granted. We we continue to um, educate. We continue to really help our employees understand what is available to them because we we make a big financial commitment to providing benefits that um, are really top notch for our employees. That's a really interesting point, and it is something I was thinking about asking earlier. Um, you know, what uniquely as a pharma company. You know, makes this uh, either important or or different to implement. Um, and when we think about if you were a hospital system, obviously they're they have very unique needs around supporting the mental health of their employee. There's you know huge burnout problems in in the healthcare world. Pharma workers, I would say, mostly are a little more removed from that firsthand experience of of healthcare that can be so. Uh, draining and, and traumatic, but at the same time, you've got sales reps who are in hospitals. And you've got a lot of people probably who are in it because of their own patient stories and experiences with with these conditions. So it's interesting to think about, you know, what are the reasons why a pharma company should be leading here? Yeah, no, you make a great point, and obviously, um, you're right. We have many employees that are in care settings on a daily basis that are seeing. Um, them firsthand that are talking to healthcare professionals uh, and understanding the challenges that that exist within the system. We also have scientists uh, in labs who are dedicated to finding solutions that they know maybe won't even be able to help people for ten plus years uh, from now. But but that realization that we have the opportunity to change lives through those healthcare settings that you described, I think is what really motivates us and does probably give us an advantage when talking about a topic like this. But at the same time, it's it's a topic that is so important that my encouragement to whatever industry somebody is working in, this is such an important facet. And until you experience either a physical health or a mental health challenge, um, it's easy. It's been easy for me in the past to perhaps neglect 
uh, my mental health. And uh, I've, again, I've, I've learned over the last several years that that's just not something that is sustainable. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that's kind of all I have. Any, any final thoughts? Yeah. I, I, first of all, Jenna, I'd just like to thank you because elevating the importance of this topic, having a meaningful discussion around mental health is, is not easy, but I think it's, it's critical. We know that change happens by conversation and, and really normalizing how we talk about mental health. You talked about one in four people living with a mental illness. I think the number is over a billion people worldwide suffering from some type of mental health condition. And this is a growing crisis. I think it's a crisis that requires solutions that are innovative, that are accessible, and that really help at an individual level um, with the, with that situation. So this is what motivates us. This is why I love talking about this topic and more importantly, love the uh, responsibility that I have to bring resources and, and uh, benefits to our employees and and their family members. So thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you for, for all of your insights, Jamie. Yeah. I I think there, there is, I wouldn't even call it an irony, but there's an interesting point here in, in a pharma company sort of explicitly acknowledging that this is not a problem that's solved uh, exclusively with pharmaceuticals, with, with pills, you know, the, the importance of all the aspects of, of the care spectrum um, to, to really manage mental health. One of the solutions that we're currently exploring to help people with mental health conditions is actually not uh, not just a pill. It's it's also sort of a wraparound. How do we provide wraparound care through um, through digital means? So I, that's how we think about this challenge as well from a business perspective. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jamie. Really appreciate you making the time to join me today. And good luck with the program. I hope to hear more more success stories as it uh, continues to roll out. My pleasure. Thanks for the time, Jonah. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and to follow us on Twitter at at PharmaForum. Thanks for listening. <laughs>